Welcome to the Unfuck Your Health Podcast, where we get into all things training, nutrition, mindset, and help you unfuck your health. I'm your host, Brevin Jandrew. Let's get into it. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another Q&A episode. It's me again, Chase Smith. We also have Brevin. What's up? And we also have Abigail. Hey, guys. So as we had mentioned during, I think the last week we had mentioned it, um, Abigail, she's my assistant coach um, with Chasing Health, and she's joining our Q&As now, which is, you know, again, more the merrier. And she was missing out on all the fun that we were having with these Q&As episodes and uh, when to get in on all this. So again, it's just another great way to have more opinions and more, you know, thoughts and, you know, recommendations and advice and all the different things from just another coach um, you know, we, and we all come from, you know, losing over hundred pounds in the background and, you know, I mean, that's just a small part of our journeys, but like, that's just something that like also know is, you know, we've all kind of been where a lot of you guys are probably currently at and wanting to, you know, work through, but yeah, let's just dive in. Um, but first, you know, Abigail, for those, I know, I know you've been on chasing health podcasts when you first joined our team, but do you want to give just kind of a very brief, like, you know, bio who you are for anyone who's listening on unfuck your health podcast with Brevin best podcast sure. out there. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's already begun. <laughs> the heated debate. Uh, for sure. I am. Uh, hi, I'm Abigail. Um, I was a chef for 13 years and always struggled with my weight going back to the earliest I can remember, like age eight or nine and tried every single diet under the sun. Um, and I always just kind of put a lot of my effort into working myself to death to try and kind of prove that I was um, you know, worthy and capable. And, and it wasn't until 2019, I started working with a coach and diving into some of the mindset I had around diet and like self image and weight loss and things like that. Um, that I realized that I was leading a very stressful and unfulfilled life and started losing weight. I lost over hundred pounds with him and with my coach and became obsessed with the whole process. I had never seen it from a healthy and sustainable point of view. I'd always tried all these like diets that just continuously failed. And so I had to start coaching other people and share it, <laughs> share it with everyone I could. I love that. And it's, it's awesome. funny. That's basically the exact same thing that how Brevin and I got into it. So it's, it's awesome. I think that's one of the cool parts of this, you know, of this, like this trio here, I guess we can say, you know, like all three of us have, you know, been through this journey and just loved it so much and fallen in love with the process. And now I want to help others with it. Love that. Mm-hmm. Well, we're glad to have you at the Q and A's and excited to get your opinion on these things as well. And we got a, re- a lot of really good questions this week. So I'm really excited to dive in the here. So I don't want to waste too much more time. Um, Before we just- jump in, I'm apologizing to anyone for how weird I sound. I'm fighting for my <laughs> life over here. <laughs> Doing a little bit of sickness. I'm trying to make him keep the germs away from me. We'll see. They yeah, locked not- me in my room. <laughs> yeah. I, I got in trouble by my parent. <laughs> I'm just hoping that the next episode, I don't sound like this. <laughs> Dude, it's brutal. I'm fighting for my life. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. Well, let's like just dive on in here. Um, Cause again, like I said, we have a lot of great questions. Um, I guess like I've go, do you want to just kind of read the first one and kind of take it from there? And we'll just kind of start from there. Yeah, sure. So question one, whenever I'm struggling, I'm hesitant to reach out to my coach because I feel ashamed. I know what I need to be doing. I just don't stick with it. Great question. Yeah, very good question. <laughs> um, I'll Who dive in real quick. Okay, we'll let you jump in first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just because I had it happen this week. I had a client who literally told me verbatim, I know what I need to do. Like, why the fuck can I stick with it? Um, and we've all been there and we're still in that space a lot. So that doesn't change. I think... The most important thing to remember here is that every behavior and choice that we make is consciously or subconsciously solving a problem. So if you're able to step away from the emotions behind the, like the shame and the judgment of like, um, for instance, a late night McDonald's run and you go and get French fries or something when you are having a stressful day, instead of saying, oh, I messed up, like, what a like this is just dumb and being really frustrated with it stop and think what problem am I solving with this 
Um, was it a stressful day? Was this a helpful like dopamine hit that's going to help me solve the problem of stress or emotion? Was I hungry and I genuinely just needed fuel? Um, like taking the time to understand why you do the things you do is equally as important as understanding why you don't do the things that you're not doing, if that makes sense. Like what sure. problem are you solving with your choices? Mm-hmm. I like that. And I kind of... Th- I think kind of think that um, it's it's the whole reason we started this podcast is like, we've all been there. Like if you, you fuck up and something goes wrong, don't not be afraid to tell us. Cause we've all been there. We've all screwed up plenty of times. <laughs> and that's why we know how to help you. And that's why we do help you. So like we can only help you with the information that we have. Mm-hmm. So if you're not telling us things, we're probably assuming things are going fantastic for you. If, if we don't hear from you, things are going great. It's when you say something to us, we're like, oh, hey, you're struggling with this. Cool. We can work with that. We can work with that. Coaching is a two-way street of communication. You have to tell us the things that's not going well, the things you're struggling with so that we can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, that's, that's right. But also I think what a lot of people... We, we feel that guilt and shame and it's hard to admit that we're struggling with something. I mean, I know it, it, it's oftentimes the instinct is just to, you know, retract and like, just be like, you know, Hey, like I'm struggling, but I don't want to tell my coach cause they're going to be mad at me, which newsflash, we're never going to be mad at you. Honestly, and I don't even want to say we'd be mad if you don't tell us, but you know, I'd be more frustrated. Honestly, if you don't tell me mm-hmm. and just sit there and act like everything's great sunshine and rainbows, then if there's actually a problem that we need to address. And I, and I, I mean, that's like people. the entire reason that coaching exists. Exactly. <laughs> so you you can that. tell us what you're struggling with. <laughs> and, and not of that, but I mean, I always, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, like if everyone always had a perfect life and everyone did everything perfect, I wouldn't have a job. So like right. my job is to help you. Like, yeah, I can help celebrate all the wins and, you know, be there for all the good times and all that. It's awesome. I love that part of coaching. But what I really love is when I get to get into the details of when you're struggling, because that's when we get to dig deeper and figure out actually what's going on at a core rather than just like, hooray, we have a new low weight on the scale. Like that, that's not what coaching is all about. Coaching is to really dive into when things get really tough. What I think it's almost about changing the perspective, of how you look at it too. If you look at it as like, oh, I'm telling you I messed up. It's like, no, you're telling me this learning experience that we had so that we can work from there to get you to where you want to be. So it's about changing the perspective from like, I fucked up to here's a learning experience. How can I do better next time? And also just a general apology from someone in the fitness industry (laughs) to everyone out there. Um, I have a ton of clients and I myself have worked with coaches who do pull this crap. They will judge you. They will shame you. They give you this plan that it's pretty hard to stick to. And if you deviate from it, they're mad at you or they're angry at you. I still have clients that are checking in and they're like, I, it feels weird that I can like tell you this because I've been criticized or shamed for making mistakes or as they say in the past, but they're not, they're not like what Bevan said. It's literally learning and living and experience as we go. It's not a mistake or a failure. Um, so we're different (laughs) and that we won't be those coaches that you might have experienced before. And I'm sorry that you have had that experience, but I know it's very, very common. Um, But there is a different way. And there's three coaches here who are, who are telling you that we're different. And complete side tangent, please. If you're going to work with a coach, do your research on that Mm -hmm. coach, Mm -hmm. talk to people, look at them, see what they do because ending up in a situation like that, is one of the worst possible experiences because it ruins coaching in so many other areas for you. Cause mm-hmm. you're like, I can't tell this person anything. So like, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, I remember Well, you just, you had that actually it was, I think it was in like, when we were on our way to Australia. You were chatting with someone who was struggling oh, with yeah. a coaching experience they had had. And it was super, it was, it was really, honestly, it was frustrating because it was very crazy. And what they had gone, what they'd gone through, they paid this coach a ton of money. Yeah, They like, paid like $5,000 to this coach for like a 12 week program. And she pretty much told uh, the coach like, yeah, I'm super picky. And he's like, oh, we'll, we'll be able to work with that. And then gave her like a list of foods. And there was like 10 foods on that list that she actually liked that because she could eat and she didn't like to exercise, like go to the gym because she had really bad gym anxiety. And he's like, oh, you don't have to do that. And then it was like, why aren't you going to the gym? Mm-hmm. It was pretty much just like beating her down about like, why aren't you doing mm-hmm. this stuff? Why aren't you having success? And then wouldn't give her a refund on anything. Yeah. So guys, like don't, 
again, be really cautious of when, who you're choosing to work with. And, and also know that it's okay to work with somebody else. Like, I mean, and, and I'll be the first to say, like, I've had clients come to work with me and I'm just like, you know what? This isn't a fantastic fit. Like we thought it was gonna be great. And we start working together. And she's like, you know what? No offense on either side. I'd rather you tell me, Hey, you know what? This just isn't working out. Awesome. Let me point you in the direction. I know a lot of other coaches that are phenomenal. That I think would be a great fit for you now that I know what kind of style you like to be coached with. And, you know, so like, it's okay with asking for another coach or it's just like therapy. I mean, like, you know, you may not find the right therapist for you in the first place all of a sudden. Um, so definitely take that time, do your homework, figure out what kind of coaching they do, you know, look at testimonials, look at who they work with and just really take your time before you select somebody. But, you know, I mean, I say, take your time, you know, don't like keep using that as an excuse to keep pushing off, getting the help you need, but also be diligent of like doing your homework with those things. I know this is a complete tangent from the question that we originally asked and I, you'll get to know me. I do a lot of tangents and that's why Chase tells me to shut up or move on. <laughs> um, but one of my biggest pieces of advice in picking a coach is pick someone that has done or been through what you're going through and has accomplished what you want to accomplish. I think if, if that coach understands like what you're going through, just because that person has a six pack abs and looks fantastic or looks great in a bikini, like doesn't mean that they understand what you're truly going through. And that being able to empathize with someone going through that, I think is next level important. Yeah. And I mean, and I, I don't think you have to always, you know, be, you know, someone who came from an overweight background, you know, to like be a good coach. Like I know plenty of coaches. I mean, the two coaches that I've worked with in the past before the powerlifting coach I work with now, both of them have come from, you know, they may have had a little extra weight here and there occasionally, but you know, they they've had the abs and things like that. And, you know, it's just like, you know, I think it's okay that as long as they are empathetic and they're still able to find ways to connect with you and find ways to make those, you know, healthy relationships between coach and client that helps you get to your next, you know, your next level, whatever your goal is. I think that's fine. Yeah. And that's where communication inside of coaching is the most important thing. You have to mm -hmm. be with someone that you can communicate well with, just like in any relationship, communication's key. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Awesome. Kevin, you want to read off the second one and start with that? Yeah. Um, my doctor recommended I start taking a weight loss medication. What are your thoughts? Ooh, I'm going to let you jump into this one, Chase. I want to hear your thoughts on this. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We were uh, chatting a little bit about this, you know, yesterday and such. And all right. So here's my take on weight loss medication. In the right scenarios, which is maybe that 1% of people, it could be helpful. But I think the biggest caveat is, is how are you viewing this weight loss medication? Are you looking at this as, this? hey, this is going to solve all of my problems. I don't have to change a thing. I don't have to change my diet. I don't have to exercise. I don't have to change my lifestyle. I can literally just pop this pill or take this shot and it's going to make all my worries go away. I'm going to lose all the weight and it's going to solve all my problems. If that's the case, I'm sorry to tell you, that's not how this works. And if it does, it's not going to last very long. It's probably going to come all crashing down very soon. So. One, like understand why you're taking this. And, but for the majority of people, I think that if you, I think you need to exhaust other options first and try to actually make those lifestyle changes yourself. Try to make the nutrition changes. Try working with a coach. Try all these other different changes first before you just get slapped on a medication. Because I know there's a lot of doctors out there. You know, I've even had my doctors even offered weight loss medication before. And it's just, it's the easiest thing for them to do. Doctors prescribe medications, right? Like it's it's just super easy for them. Somebody walks in, they're overweight, they, you know, they've yo-yo dieted, they've struggled with their weight for all their life. Well, the doctor sees this magic pill that they can say, Oh, hey, well, here's this new drug that just came out, and it'll help you lose weight. It'll help, you know, suppress your appetite so you won't eat as much. Try this medication. And it's so much easier for them to do that because they're not they're not there to, a lot of times to spend a really long time digging deep into your lifestyle. What's going on? What are your stressors? What's your daily life look like? What kind of, you know, mental struggles are you working through? You know, all these really deeper things, they're not there to cover all those things most of the time. And so it's easier for them just to throw a pill at you. Um, so I think my kind of like general like thoughts on weight loss medication is like, does it have its time or place? Yes but with a big butt <laughs> written behind that, we need to try other things first. 
Yeah, I agree. I think that for 99% of people, a weight loss drug is not the answer. Most of the time, that's just a huge bandaid on the problem that's going to come later down the road and be more of an issue for you. I mean, I've had a couple of clients that I've worked with um, where they were 100, 150 pounds overweight and a doctor put them on an appetite suppression pill and they lost a lot of weight. And then when they were no longer on that pill, they gained a ton of weight back and they're like, what am I doing wrong? And it's like, oh, well, let's just go on the pill again. And it's back and forth, back and forth. Not only is that really, really hard on the body, that's so hard mentally to be going back and forth that way. So I think for like 99% of people, it's not the right answer. You have to focus on the lifestyle changes because if you put that Band-Aid on top of it and just be like, oh, I hope it goes away. I hope it heals and I lose hundred pounds and keep it off, but you change nothing about your lifestyle, it's not going to work. Now, like Chase said, there is that 1% case where you're like, I'm changing my lifestyle. I'm working with a coach. I'm working on my binge eating or emotionally or whatever you're struggling with. I'm doing all of these things right. I checked all of the other boxes and this is the last box just to help me get over that hump or to move a little bit further along because I do have a significant amount of weight to lose. But most people aren't checking all those other boxes first. And then a year later down the road, like, why am I still struggling? Why am I gaining this weight back? What am I doing wrong? It's a me problem. In all reality, it's not a you problem. But I like what you said, though, about most doctors don't have all that time to spend with the patient. So it's like, oh, here, do this. That'll help you. And like, yes, that's true. But that's where like coaching becomes so, so important. Whether it's us three, whether it's someone else, having someone in your corner that's going to help you make these lifestyle changes is so important. Yeah. Hmm. Curious to hear your thoughts, Abigail, because I know this is something that you know, we've talked about a little bit recently, too. Yeah, and and I will say education is key here, um, mm-hmm. and I've certainly educated myself a lot more in the past weeks and months, especially with the, the GLP-1 agonist becoming super-duper popular um, and rising in popularity rapidly. So I think <clears throat> context and nuance matters, as in everything with coaching. Um I think the type of weight loss medication makes a huge difference. Um, A lot of them are very, very different, have very different facets. um, And that's obviously on the medical side of things. But I I just think that when we're looking at it as a, this is like a huge overall question. I think that the nuance and the type of of drug that you're looking at is important, but also in, like you said, Chase, like in the realm of things, like, is it, is it for everyone? No, there's a lot of other factors that we can work on before that. Um, I think it comes down to if you're someone who's struggled with obesity for so long, there are so many barriers that you have to break down first in order to effectively lose weight that it might just seem like this uphill battle that you will never, ever win. And I totally understand the medication helping you work on one thing which even just gives you like a second to come up for air to even work on the lifestyle changes and the nutrition changes and things like that. Um, A lot of people because of their upbringing, because of how we were conditioned and raised from a young age, like for our formative years, our brains are literally conditioned this way. This is like part of our (laughs) like makeup and telling someone that they're going to have to change everything from not only how they eat and their appetite and things like that, but their relationships, their, you know, who they're hanging out with, who they're surrounding themselves with, even maybe their professions, like these are huge, huge changes and it's exhausting and not everyone has the capacity to do it. So it's almost like giving someone a break on one aspect, like controlling the appetite a bit while they can start addressing these other things. I don't believe that it should be done without, like you said, without solid coaching alongside of it, because then it, 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 does, it does just become a Band-Aid. But the drugs in conjunction, using medication in conjunction with coaches who understand what that medication is doing, the long-term effects and the long-term results, I think can be beneficial for these people who have literally been set up from a childhood, you know, young, 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 before they had any control or choices with these hyper palatable foods that are just part of their every part of the world they don't know anything separate it's very impossible to tell someone like that just like hey you're gonna have to change everything you believe about your life 
to, ch- to lose weight. Like that's overwhelming. And then the other question too is from a strictly weight loss point of view, is it ideal? No, but is it worse than dealing with obesity for the rest of your life? Like that's weighing those options. Um, and that's a toughest shit question um, that you very seriously like have to consider. And I don't fault people one way or the other for choosing one, one side, like one spectrum of that. Um, and I have clients, I mean, full transparency, I have clients who are taking weight loss medications and I'm working with them on the lifestyle, the mindset and the education components in conjunction with the weight loss medication. I think where the breakdown happens is that doctors don't work a lot with nutrition coaches when they're doing these weight loss medications, because so much of the fitness industry is like, no, that's cheating, or that's like not sustainable. And they just bash it with no context or education. Like what kind of doctor is going to refer out to a coach and say, Hey, can you work with this person while we, while we do this medication? Like I trust your level of education and nuance to be able to help them. Or are they going to look at it and say like, Oh no, fitness coaches see that as, there's some sort of stigma and shame and, and like cheating element to that. What a game changer would that be? If was that say, was like, if that was the standard practice, like, Hey, we're not only going to put you on this weight loss medication, we're going to refer you out to a coach that we use for this clinic and make it a requirement. Yeah. <laughs> like the changes that you would make and the, the difference that you would make in so many people's lives would be absolutely fucking amazing. That would be awesome. I don't ever see that happening, unfortunately, because the medical system is so fucked, but a whole nother conversation for another day. But I absolutely love that. Um, kind of what you talked about is like when people are set up from failure from such a young age and like so often it's blamed on like, oh, well, if you want to eat less, like just stop eating. And like, yeah, if it was that easy, we wouldn't have an obesity <laughs> epidemic in this country. Like, right. cool. Thank you for the fucking advice. I will stop eating tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I think that it, under those circumstances, like it can have its place. And I think with everything else, with the coaching, the therapy, doing all of these things, like you really can make a difference in someone's life. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, I, I, and I know Abigail, you had mentioned yesterday when we were chatting about this, like there is like, you know, you've heard of some doctors and things like that, like starting to like want to branch out maybe a little bit and start, you know, looking at referrals and things like that, which I think is amazing. And I, I would really love to see that eventually one day. And I think that, I, I do think the nutrition coaching space is starting to like have that, you know, have a little more impact on like the health industry and it's as a whole. And we're starting to be more recognized by those people. Um, and so, you know, maybe that will be something eventually one day that, you know, it's, and maybe it's not going to be a requirement and things like that. Like, I, I think it'd be hard to make it anything like that requirement, but I do think that it was a, if it was a big suggestion of like, Hey, if you want to get the most out of this medication, you would work with someone like this. So this is going to make it easier to start adapting some of those lifestyle changes that maybe you've struggled with for a while. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Even, yeah, even if it was like what you said, like, here's this medication, here's what it's going to do, here's how it's going to help you. But to get the full benefit and to actually have this work long-term, here's the other steps you need to do. Rather than like, here's a prescription, you're not going to want to eat, go, you're going to lose weight, cool. What happens after I'm done? I don't fucking know, I'm done with you after that. If we could take that second step, that would change so many people's lives and be really cool. Yeah, 100%. Anything else on that, Abigail, before we move on to the next question? I mean, probably a whole other podcast worth, but (laughs) (laughs) I I think the most important thing for people to take away from it is um, we have clients, you and I have clients on, on both ends of the spectrum where some of them are, you know, asking us, can I take this? Can I slap this on and, and use it as part of your plan? And we can't give medical advice one way or the other um but i can say hey let's try at least six months of this 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 first and then other ones who are like hey my doctor recommended this and i'm like okay like how do you feel about it what are your thoughts let's dive in deep and i if we can have a honest conversation about it um and with one of my clients she started recently and i I told her like this is how i'm going to coach you like from this perspective this is my long-term goal. You have to keep in mind that I'm looking at you in like 10, five, 15 years down the road. So it, it's just going to change the dynamic a tiny bit and on board, like we're good. So we're, we're going to support you 
in choices that are productive and efficient and healthy, I guess. Yeah. And then I think one thing that also like you'd even mentioned about this, you know, this, this client you're talking about, like, it's like, even if like you like start labeling like the behaviors or the ways that they're way that they're you know carrying themselves throughout the week, don't say it's because of the medication. What else is going on at a deeper level? Not just like, don't just say like, oh, I lost this weight because I'm on this medication. No, like you did other things as well. The medication isn't some magic pill that just causes you to lose all this weight. What habits, routines, behaviors, and things did you have in place to help you get to where you're at? So expectations govern experience. I think you have to have that, that conversation where you lay out expectations on, yes, you might be on this medication, but we're still going to do this, 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 and this, because here's, here's the 90% of the, here's the 90%. This is what's going to get you 90% of your results. This will help you with that 10%. This will help push you along a little bit more, maybe give you a little bit of momentum, but like, we want to focus on the 90% first, but yeah, that can help. I think having those expectations and having those conversations, just being open and honest again, communication is key inside of coaching. (laughs) You can communicate. You can make a lot of things work. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Let's let's jump into number three. Um, Is it possible to lose weight and gain muscle at the same time? Brevin, do you want to take this one? I do. Um, So kind of, it depends. It's one of those, (laughs) it depends questions, but on this podcast, we're going to go really in deep on the, it depends. Um, So yes, you can under certain circumstances, um, if you're new to lifting and you just started lifting weights, sure. You can build muscle. Cause your body's like, what the fuck are you doing to me? Why are you lifting weights over your head? <laughs> like, what the hell? We need to build some more muscle so we don't die. Cool. Yeah. You can build some muscle and lose a little bit of fat. Um, if you're someone like, um, where I was or where, where Chase probs- probably was, or I don't know where you were, um, where I was in a chronic deficit for so long, doing all the wrong things for a long time. And then I finally got out of a deficit went through a reverse diet, built my calories back up and really got into lifting. I was like, holy crap, I'm, I'm still losing weight. I'm losing fat. My, my body's looking better. I'm building muscle. Like this is really cool. This is magic. Um, so I think under a couple circumstances, yes, you can, for the most part, I'd say it's, it's much easier and, and much better, um, to pick one goal versus the other. Now I do think that there is an aspect of, uh, when you're in a deficit, as long as you're training really, really hard and you're really, really pushing yourself, you can build muscle. It's going to be less efficient. You have less of those recovery capabilities. You have less of that energy to give to building muscle because building muscle is a very metabolically active process. So like you have to have that energy to do that. You have to have the energy to recover from that. Um, but I think that uh, taking the time, really pushing yourself in the gym and focusing on things like your protein intake and making sure that's where it needs to be. All these other variables outside of the, just the gym, um, even your, like your meal timing, which we've talked about before, isn't that important unless you want to do this, 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 or this, you want to focus on performance, focus on building muscle, focus on this, like then meal time becomes a little bit more important. So like, yes, you can, but if you try to pursue both goals all the time, you're not going to get very far on each. It's going to take a long time to lose the weight you want to and to build the muscle you want to. So I think going through phases is really, really important and taking time. I think one of the most underrated things, I know this is probably kind of a tangent again, whatever. Um, One of the most underrated things on a fat loss journey is taking time to build muscle. That changes your physique so much. It's crazy. And it's not only about changing your physique, building muscle and having a sufficient amount of muscle benefits your life in so many other ways too, that people don't generally think about. So yes, you can, but it's not super practical or super efficient to do both at the same time all the time. Yeah. Abigail, do you want to take a little bit on that? This question really made me miss the newbie games. Right. right? I'm starting to lose those and it sucks. You walk into the gym and you accidentally gain five pounds of muscle. Right. right? <laughs> and I didn't even know what was happening right at the beginning. Yeah. And now it's like, man, I wish I appreciated those like six or seven months where I was just busting up muscle and like losing fat really quickly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I remember when I first started uh, uh, the reverse diet, uh, my coach at the time, Kenny and Sarah were like, yeah, we're going to have you eat more. And uh, dude, I was like, I'm trying to lose weight, man. Why do you want me to eat more? And yeah. then, like a month or two later, I'm like, you guys are fucking magicians. This is awesome. Yep. <laughs> Strength training is the number one thing that you can do to help fat loss. It is like, I feel like I could say that over and over and over again, every second of every day. 
Like, I feel like I do. Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that, again, <sighs> nuance and context matters. I think a lot matters, honestly, when we're talking body size, um, depending on your your body weight and size, like that's going to affect um, if if you are in a larger body um, and you start kind of fueling properly and you've started out, you might see more muscle gain that and in in conjunction with fat loss than someone who's at a small in a smaller body doing the same process. Um, also, I think it's really important to add here that gaining muscle is a very intentional process. Going to the gym and just picking random machines, numbers, weight, metric, like just going into the gym and doing a circuit of, of different machines randomly, like two days, one week, five days, next week, one day, next, like it, you'll like work some muscles, but you won't necessarily be gaining muscle. Um, so it's important to follow a structured program in conjunction with your fat loss um, from someone who knows how to progressively overload uh, specific muscle gain. Cause it's not just going to the gym and pushing some weight around. Yeah. I wish I could accidentally get too big. Right. <laughs> God, I'm a kill. <laughs> I think that's another thing. And I just want to kind of touch on that. And, and, you know, you all kind of covered it, but just like, really like, just like call it out. It's like, don't fear getting bulky. Don't worry about it like that. Like that's not like, like, like Brevin said, like, I wish we had that concern. Yeah, I've been like, trying to do that for years and I'm still small and weak. So <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, I wish it was so hard, but like guys, it takes a lot of hard work. Most of them in a calorie surplus. So eating more calories than your body needs mm -hmm. to be able to build that muscle. Lots of time, patience. I mean, really putting in a lot of work. And so please don't let that hold you back on your journey of like, you know, I, I want to go to the gym, but I don't want to get bulky. I don't want to get big. I don't want guys. That's not good. <laughs> don't let that be a concern. Like, I like I said, we wish that was a concern, but it's not. And so just get in, work really hard, and it is going to help you so much more in your fat loss journey than you would expect. And another thing I want to touch on here is like, like you said, yeah, if you want to really, really put on muscle and you want to get big, like you're gonna have to eat a calorie surplus, but you can still build muscle at maintenance. Yes. Yes. It's a little bit of a slower process, but you can build muscle at maintenance. Um, and I think something else to kind of kind of look at here is it doesn't always even have to be about like, I'm trying to get as big as possible. Getting strong is really fucking cool. Yeah, it is. Like, take time, <laughs> right? Take time to focus on getting strong. Like that is one of the coolest and biggest beneficial things in your entire life is to be strong. Like going to the gym and being able to do more than you did last time is, is an amazing feeling. And it translates into so many other areas of your life. And like, that's a little bit different than putting on muscle mass. Like, yes, you're going to put on muscle mass, getting stronger, but those are two different goals as well. Like hypertrophy, building muscle and strength. Those are two different adaptations that you're looking for. Um, so I think that's another way to look at it is like, well, I'm going to spend time getting strong. Mm, absolutely. Cool. Let's dive into the next question. And this one, so this one was submitted on our, so guys, just another like little plug for this is if you have questions and you're like, man, these are really good questions. I want to ask my questions. We do have a form you can fill out online and we'll put that in the show notes down below for both of our shows. Guys, ask all the questions that you can, because this is how you basically get free coaching from three coaches, three different perspectives, three you know, bundles of advice. So definitely make sure to fill that out. And we got this question from somebody and it was anonymous. So we don't really know a lot of context around this, but somebody asked about like self-sabotage and ways to overcome it. And again, we could take this in a million different directions. I've done an entire podcast on self-sabotage. So I feel, feel like we're just going to definitely scratch the surface. Um, if you are listening to this and you, this was your question and we don't answer your question because maybe we don't know exactly what route you're, you know, you know, how is it presenting for you? How is it coming up and things like that? Feel free to resubmit that question and go into a little more and more detail. And we'd be happy to go deeper on this later on. But with that being said, you know, self-sabotage, ooh, it, it, it's a tricky little thing. It, it It's very common for a lot of people who are in their weight loss journey because we're so conditioned for failure. You know, we've all been through all the yo-yo diets. We've tried all the different ways to lose weight. 
we've plateaued, then gave up, then regained the weight. And we've done these a million different times all throughout the years, possibly some people. And so when it actually does come down the time actually losing weight and you maybe don't have the right way, but then you're so used to failing that your old self just kind of creeps back up. And it's like, actually, I'm more comfortable doing what we used to do. And so that's when you sabotage yourself and sabotage can show up in many different ways. I mean, and it's sometimes it's like the ways that people think they're doing the right things when actually it's a subtle sign of self-sabotage in some shape or form. I mean, it can be things like perfectionism. It could be, you know, procrastination. It could be focusing on the negatives. It could be, you know, instead of looking at what all you've accomplished, you look at what all you have to do. Like, oh, I, you know, yeah, I've lost 10 pounds, but I still have 50 more pounds to lose. Like that's another way that it can kind of show up as self-sabotage in your way of your thinking. You know, self-sabotage is not something that is like a on and off switch. It's not something that we can just like cure, snap our fingers and it's settled and done with. It's going to take a lot of work. Um, but then like, you know, kind of like dive into ways to overcome it. Do one of you guys want to kind of like start diving into that area of things and talking more about that? Yeah. So I actually, I like what you said is like, you're so conditioned, um, in that one way, changing your identity is a bitch. It's really, really, (laughs) really hard to change your identity. Your brain does not like to be uncomfortable. It does not like to be in the unknown. The unknown is scary. The unknown is bad. Your brain doesn't like to be there. It likes to be where it's really comfortable and safe. So like we have to work on changing that. You have to start to change your identity before you can really make any long-term changes, especially when it comes to health and fitness. Um, but changing your identity is something that's really, really, really hard. And it's going to take a lot of time because your brain just doesn't like that change. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, that's the best word. It's just a bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> so rough. Because the only way to improve it is over time like there's not there's not to say oh one day it clicks and i'm gonna make these amazing decisions for myself that make me feel good we are conditioned to like chase said that failure experience to like repetitive failure weighs on you like that is just kind of always in the back of your brain it's part of like your perceptions and your expectations um and if you're if you have tried multiple different things for so many years and the result has not been what you wanted your brain is literally conditioned to think that you will fail the next thing you try. Um, And again, that's our comfort zone. That's our expectation. So our brain doesn't know otherwise. So self-sabotage is in some way, like a very comfortable, like a comforting thing almost because it's familiar. It's protective. It's protective. Yeah. So the only way to unlearn that is every time that we have a choice to either actively self-sabotage or break that cycle with making a choice that is reflective of self-love, self-reflection, or self-improvement. We see that result. We see the, we feel the resulting feeling and our brain is like, it like connects somehow where it's like, oh, okay. I like this feeling. This felt nice. And it remembers that. Now you could go back to three more weeks of self-sabotaging before you have another moment where you can again, make the, uh, a positive choice. And then your brain remembers that. And then maybe it's two weeks. And then another, like, it just, it's months and months and months. I would say like my, when I started losing weight, self-sabotage was the name of my game. Like every day, every choice I can make. Um, and I would like tell my coach about it so that he knew like that I was like this worthless failure. I was like, I need you to get on board with the self-sabotage mm. because I need to like prove it to you that I'm going to fail this too. Right. <laughs> I would like, mm. I would, I would part of my self-sabotage was telling my coach how much of a fuck up I was because I needed someone else to like validate that I was going to fail at this too, because that's what my brain was telling me. And, and then over time I was like, wait, I, I feel good when I make the good choices and I can tell him, And then he's on board with like, okay, let's make more of these good choices. And so it's like the first, the first year of starting my fat loss, I'd say out of 30 days, that first month, all 30 days were just bad self-sabotage choices. And then the next month was like 29 days. And then the next month's down. And now we can go weeks and months without making consciously self-sabotage, self-sabotaging choices. However, it still pops up. Mm -hmm. Like, 
it, I don't think that'll ever go away. I think that's just human and it's also 30 years of conditioning. Um, so I've just learned how to approach it better. And that, that's where I, I got to say, as far as self-sabotage goes, that's where therapy comes in handy because understanding why your brain makes the choices it does is really cool because then you can actually go into the next scenario of should I self-sabotage or should I sow some you know positive self-love here and you can understand like why your brain is wanting to do those things and understand the outcomes and the choices and how they'll make you feel mm-hmm. yeah and I think one of the most important things is is bringing all this stuff to like really really painfully self-aware like if you yep. can become painfully self-aware about these things and be like cool I'm gonna, I have to make this conscious decision to self-sabotage, like take these from unconscious decisions to conscious decisions and be like, yeah, I know what I'm doing right now. And I'm choosing to self-sabotage. That's going to make it so much easier to in the future be like, "Mm, no, I'm going to choose not to self-sabotage here. And then kind of look at like who, what, when, where, why, like what, when is this, this stuff happening? What can I change about this to make this not happen to again, take these to learning experiences instead of like failures. Yeah. And, and, you know, and even like to like give a <laughs> example of how, you know, when you were saying like making these unconscious thoughts more conscious, you know, you know, it may be like, let's say you're overeating as your way of sabotaging your results. And maybe it's, you know, you love to overeat on chips and that's your one, that's your go-to. So you leave chips on the counter or first thing in front of the cabinet. Like as soon as you open up the cabinet, there's that family party size bag of chips waiting for you. When you get home and you're stressed, you're angry, you're frustrated, you had a, your, your boss was a dick at work and you just had an awful day. So that's how you're going to cope right now. And so you reach for that. So how about we, make this more conscious thought of having to reach those bag of chips and we put them above the fridge where you have to actually get a stool or a chair to get them down. So now you have to actually think about, all right, I want the chips. Now I have to go into the dining room, grab a chair, drag it into the kitchen. I have to get up on the chair. I have to reach up, grab the bag of chips down, get down, put the chair back. So you get all those times to make those decisions. I'm consciously making this decision to grab for these bag of chips and sabotage myself. You have to call me out like that. <laughs> I'm actually just describing what happened last night. <laughs> <laughs> no, hundred percent. Like chips are, are one of my go-tos, like a bag of chips. I will destroy that shit. And I'm painfully, <laughs> very painfully self-aware of that. So like at this point in my life, I just don't buy them and keep them in the house. If I want them, I can go get them. So it's not like I'm, I'm holding it out of my life and like, oh, I can't have that. Chips are bad. Like, no, chips are great. I'm just not going to keep them in the house. Cause I know like if I go have a sandwich and I'm going to have some chips with it, which every time I have a sandwich, I want some chips with it, then I'm going to eat the entire bag of Doritos. Mm-hmm. I know myself. So I'm just not going to keep them in the house. If yeah. I want them, I'm going to go get them. Yeah. But in by like, and, and even if like, you know, guys like this, this will come in different levels and like different like ways you can you know get around this. Like, is this like, you know, maybe it's not keeping the chips in your house at all. Maybe it's buying the little you know, fun size bags, you know, how, I don't know why they call them fun. They're nothing, there's nothing fun about a small bag of chips, but <laughs> you buy depressing. <laughs> but you buy the, you know, the smaller bags of chips that are already pre-portioned out for like one serving, or maybe you, you know, maybe you do buy the big bag of chips, but then you make your own baggies. Um, and again, like, yes, they're in the house. So like, that's, it depends on what you can handle. Some people can't have in the house at all. Some people can have pre-portioned. So that way when they reach in the bag and they eat everything's in the bag, right? The bag's empty after, you know, you know, a handful of chips, you know, whatever that's going to look like for you, or maybe it's, you have to go out every time you want chips, you have to go out and buy one of the small bags of chips, like the ones that you can get at the gas station, you know, like that maybe one or two servings, three servings inside of it. You buy that and bring that home. So now you only have that small bag that you can have, and it physically cuts you off after, you know, a couple of servings rather than an entire party size bag. I just go to a Mexican restaurant and then they cut me off. Well, and only if you tell them to, some places just keep on ringing them. Hey, I get up and leave. <laughs> I just want to be like, can't you see the I problem? My on my, can't you see that I've, I've had four baskets of chips? You can stop anytime. <laughs> Self-awareness is key. Yeah. It's um, also really painful. Yes. It is. <laughs> well, perfect. well, let's, let's uh, dive into this last one. Um, have a go. Do you want to take this one? Yeah, I had a client ask me this this week, and and I just thought it was important to touch on where we were talking about um, 
the protein guides that we send out or lists of high protein foods that you might see online. And she mentioned that salmon and tuna and things like that keep popping up a lot. Um, so her question was, is there some magic ingredient that I'm missing out on by not eating seafood that will help me with my fat loss? Um, and I thought, this was, I thought this was interesting because I've gotten this question before. A lot of people have a lot of different food preferences. And we also see online, everyone's like, eat this for fat loss or eat this for fat loss. They're like all these different foods and ingredients and recipes and Pinterest is like a, a blessing and a curse <laughs> in that, <laughs> in the same vein. Um, we have all these great resources, but they're not necessarily individualized for you. So it can be a lot of information. As far as when it comes to eating for fat loss, regardless of if it is seafood or you don't like turkey or ham or whatever other, you know, leaner protein is out there. Yes, there is an element of discipline and willpower and motivation that comes to eating in accordance to your plan for fat loss. But there's also an element of preference and joy that needs to be incorporated. So the best food for your fat loss is the food that you can enjoy for the longest time. That's something that you can eat every single day, every single week for the next, like the remainder of your life. And if it's, if you hate seafood, but you keep on forcing yourself to eat salmon because it's, you know, high protein and low fat, um, then it's not going to be sustainable at all. And this goes across all spectrums for fat loss or nutrition or training or fitness or health. If you hate the process, it's not going to last very long at all. Yeah. Let's grow up and stop pretending seafood's bad. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, eat, eat the dang salmon. It's life-giving. <laughs> if you don't salmon. want it, I will take it. I, it is I the literally, of life. <laughs> I could literally eat salmon probably every single night of the week. I, I mean, you can name off any seafood salmon. and I'm going to start eating it except for freaking octopus. This guy right here, Chase, <laughs> I saw him and I have a video of it eating a baby octopus and it was disgusting. It was at a sushi place in Australia. And they were like, it was like one of those conveyor ones going around. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> and we, we like kept seeing it, kept seeing it. We're like, oh, that's so gross, so gross, so gross. And I was like, I'm going to try it. Why not? Try anything <laughs> once. Five little baby octopus. Octopi. <laughs> octopuses. I don't know. And here's the question. Did it help with your fat loss that week, Chase? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. <laughs> well, I'm also pretty sure I was not in a deficit. <laughs> you mean the 14 plates of sushi I ate wasn't a deficit? <laughs> don't tell all of her secret. Well, hey, you're the one taking photos of the stack of plates. I'm like, dude, don't do that. <laughs> I know. I was super impressed with myself. I was like, damn, nice job. Awesome. <laughs> I was really feeling my lifts that week. Yes. But no, I mean, like, it's great that you brought this up. I mean, the fact that, like, we definitely think that like there, you know, or even like there's all these like BS lists other like fat burning foods and, you know, super foods. foods. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Super foods. And like that, like guys, like, again, like Abigail mentioned, if, if it's something you don't like to eat, you don't have to eat it. Like, you know, now I will say that there's a little caveat there. People who are like, you know, I don't like vegetables. Okay. We need to find some way to have your vegetables, whether, you know, find a different way to prepare them, find something that you can do that you will eat them. Um, but when it comes to those other foods, like, you know, if it's just like a single food, like there's other ways that you get protein than other than seafood. Again, we all love seafood in this group here, but, um, there are many, many, many other ways you can get your protein in besides the seafood itself. Yeah. There's not specific foods that you need to eat to do anything inside of fitness. Um, now I will say if you eat a starfish, it's like a super power up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't even know if you can eat starfish. <laughs> I don't Probably know. Nothing I'll, to them. Uh, I'll stick to the octopus. You you have the starfish. <laughs> Deal. Go, go for it. I'm not eating that octopus. That thing looked disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Anything else to really touch on? I mean, I feel like that was a pretty you know kind of a cut and dry question. Like you know, just really enjoy the foods that you like. But um, anything else that either of you all want to add to that one? try new foods. I know this is not the topic oh, yeah, at all, yeah. but try new foods, try different ways to prepare things. Um, again, tangent. Um, but especially inside of fitness, like try different things. If you don't like it, cool, don't eat it again. But like, we have to get past only liking chicken tenders 
Like let's, let's expand our palette a little bit. Let's try new things. I promise you there's going to be things out there that you really like that you didn't think that you would. I feel mm-hmm. like you're calling me out on the chicken tenders thing. I, I definitely was the kid <laughs> growing up that like every restaurant you go to, it's just like, I'll take the chicken tenders have French fries, please. <laughs> <laughs> but look at you now. You're eating exotic foods like kangaroo and octopus. That's right. That's right. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> I'm glad I grew out of that stage. But no, she's like, like you- what the hell eating kangaroo? <laughs> Hey, kangaroo was actually really good. It was, it was really good. I'm not going to lie. I would definitely have it again. I actually have right here, kangaroo jerky and crocodile jerky. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> but I know we're, you never know what tangent we're going to get on next on, on the show. <laughs> All right. It's, no, it's, I love, I love it. I love it. All right. Well, I think, you know, that we're kind of coming up on like, I think around like 45 ish minutes now on the episode, but Guys, anything else that you guys want to add to anything that we've covered that we haven't mentioned so far? Communication is key. Self-awareness is key. Try new foods. Love that. I think that perfectly sums up this episode. <laughs> That's a good summary. That's solid. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Guys, as a reminder, please submit those questions down in the um, show notes or you know, there, we'll post them on our social media from time to time asking for questions. Um, Feel free to send us a DM, send us a message, whatever. We'll always answer your questions. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, and, and there might be times like, even if you send us a message, like we might give you some feedback, but like, I, mean, I know there's even been times when I've been like, Hey, like we have a we're recording a podcast tomorrow. I'll give you some detail, but like, I'm going to also go really into detail on the podcast the next day. So like, definitely, even if you send us questions, like we'll address it then and there, but we might, this is a great time when we literally get 30, 45, maybe even 60 minutes of time, literally just to dive into anything that you want us to talk about. So, and we get multiple perspectives here, which is nice. Yeah. I love that. Well, I was going to awesome. mention that. Try it. Try and see if, if, like find a topic that we kind of differ on. Yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. What do you guys... Dig in, guys. <laughs> There's <Yeah>. a challenge. <laughs> Start the debate. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you guys for joining us another on another episode of the podcast, and we will see you guys next week. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast. If you enjoy the show and find it helpful, I'd love it if you would share it on your story so I can thank you for listening and leave a five-star rating review to help the podcast grow and allow me to impact more lives. As always, feel free to reach out with any questions or anything and anyone that you want to see on the show. Thanks again for listening to the Unfuck Your Health podcast.